welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about election laws and election reform. And we're going to be talking about what's happening in the state of Georgia. And also, we're going to have breaking news of what's happening here in Ohio to basically safeguard our election system going forward. Many Ohioans felt disenfranchised this last election as they could only sit helplessly and watch other states uh, ramble and, and grapple with some of their elections processes. And in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Arizona, Nevada, and other states, uh, when Ohio we basically it was decided on election night yet we saw the changing of laws in in pennsylvania that were unconstitutional before the election we saw a lot of uh, suspicion that came out of georgia and that's why their legislature has moved to make uh it a, a requirement of photo id requirement in the state of georgia we'll talk about that and some of the blowback that's happening but first i want to go to capitol hill here's an interview uh in a state by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas on H.R. 1. This is the wish list of uh, the Democratic Party of what they want to do with elections, and it's, it's really alarming. Let's listen to Senator Cruz. I just came from the Rules Committee hearing on the Corrupt Politicians Act. This is the most dangerous legislation that's ever been considered by the Rules Committee. It is in the House H.R. 1. It is in the Senate S. 1. That means it's the very first bill that was submitted by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, the very first bill that was submitted by Chuck Schumer and the Democrats, it is their number one priority. Pause for a minute and reflect that the top priority of the Democrats is not COVID-19. It's not immunizations. It's not getting people back to work. It's not reopening schools and getting millions of kids back in the classroom. It is locking in power for the Democrats for the next hundred years. That is their overarching priority. How does it do this? The Corrupt Politicians Act mandates automatic voter registration whenever anyone has an interaction with the government, whether they have an interaction getting a welfare check, an unemployment check, whether they have a driver's license from the DNV, whether they attend a public university, everyone is registered. This bill is intended to and will register to vote millions of illegal aliens. That is exactly what the Democrats want to do with this bill is register millions of illegal aliens. And the text of the bill acknowledges that, and it says the illegal aliens who are registered to vote, even though it's against the law for them to vote, they face no liability because they're automatically registered to vote. Not only that, this bill prevents the states from addressing that, from correcting the voter rolls, prevents the states from removing dead people from the voter rolls to facilitate voter fraud. Not only that, this bill mandates that criminals be allowed to vote, that all felons, many states have very reasonable laws that prohibit felons from voting. The Democrats repeal every one of those laws. They mandate that murderers, that rapists, that child molesters be allowed to vote. And the reason the Democrats do that is they've made the determination that if millions of illegal aliens and millions of criminals are allowed to vote, that those voters are going to vote for Democrats and they're going to keep Democrats in power forever. That is Senator Ted Cruz, and again, that's H.R. 1. That's the elections bill that's currently 
uh, in the U.S. Senate, and you need to call your senator and actually call uh, Senator Joe Machen down there in West Virginia uh, because he's a swing vote. He's keeping the uh, filibuster intact, and we want to make sure that he receives calls as well. We'll put that information up on our website because we're in a real battle here for our republic, folks, and about having fair and equal uh, elections. With me on the phone is Cleta Mitchell. She's an attorney who's actually working on election uh, elections uh, this go-around. In fact, uh, she's mounting a grassroots campaign right now and speaking across the country, working to combat Democrats' reforms and everything from voting laws to redistricting and campaign finance laws. Um, and uh, this is what's needed right now is that we need to mount an opposition to what they're trying to do and actually safeguard the vote in the states of question. And again, they were spelled out where we had uh, long debates of what happened in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. And we've got to fix this if we're going to have fair and just elections going forward in this representative republic. Uh, Cleta, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I'm so glad that uh, you're really free and unencumbered. I know that you left your law firm at the uh, beginning of the year, and you felt uh, that it was time to launch uh, out and to do some work like you're doing right now. And so we're gl- so glad that you are, and many are applauding you for it. But it's we're, it's really going to take all of us to get behind this, isn't it? Well, it really is, and you mentioned it at the beginning, and it's really important for anyone who hears this to please pick up the phone, call the U.S. Senate, and speak to your two uh, U.S. Senators. you got to tell them that they need to vote no, vote no on S-1. Because some of the things that it does, it's an 800-page bill, and it incorporates about 47 different pieces of federal legislation into this one massive piece of legislation. Um, and it is it, it prohibits voter identification. It prohibits all the laundry list that Senator Cruz made reference to. But it goes on and on and on. And as he said, it, it, it consolidates power in the Democrats. One of the things it does is it prohibits state legislatures from, redist- from drawing the uh, district lines from members of Congress. Well, why do they want to do that? Because there are more Republican legislatures than there are Democrat legislatures. So they want to take it out of the hands of the elected officials and put it in the hands of what they call, quote, independent, unquote, commissions um, to handle redistricting. And studies that have been done of those redistricting commissions have demonstrated that they're dominated by what? Professors, academics, and, and liberals that they can control. So, you know, it's a pretty scary thing. And the way I, I finally, they, they want, if you look at the things that they're passing in Congress, it, the Equality Act, all these horrible things they're doing that are wildly unpopular with most Americans, they want to pass this bill so that they can win re-election anyway and put the, actually put the elections beyond the reach of the voters in America. That's what they're doing. And our country was founded on a principle of the consent of the governed, and this would completely upend that, that principle. And and it wouldn't matter whether the governed, that being us, the voters, the people, it wouldn't matter if we consent or not. They can cram it down our throats forever. And that's exactly what this is about. 
a representative republic, not a simple democracy. And it's so important that uh, small states have two senators and large states with much population have two senators. That equality of uh, representation before Congress is what the Founding Fathers gave us. And then representatives in Congress, according to uh, the electoral uh, count in each state. And, and there are those who want to abolish the Electoral College, which is a representation of uh, rural districts and farm districts and smaller states and, you know, against the big, uh, uh, you know, West Coast or East Coast states. And this is how everyone has a voice in a representative republic. The Democrats, if they get their way, would do away with that. And they, like you said, they would just run roughshod over the will of the people. And that's why the filibuster is so important to keep that intact. And that's hanging by a thread right now with basically two senators hanging on, Cinema from Arizona and Joe Machen from West Virginia. But let's talk for a minute. I mean, we're talking about a real-time invasion on our southern border. I mean, the news is happening so fast and furious. Uh, you're, you're a good friend of mine uh, who passed on, Phyllis Schlafly. She said this was the number one concern of America was uh, securing our borders. And, you know, President Trump took that up when he ran in 2016. It resonated with the people. He began to build the wall. Uh, he began to put an effective immigration process uh, uh, policy in place. That has all been dispensed with in the opening act of the Biden administration last month alone. Over 136,000 illegal immigrants passed the border into the United States last month alone in the, in the month of March. And they want to get these people in. They want to get them a, a, a voter registration and processed. And they came in illegally. They didn't come in the way that immigrants are to come through uh, the gates of uh, welcome. They came in in the depth of night. Your thoughts? Well, that's a lot to unpack, but let me just say that uh, I talked with some people in Arizona last Thursday who are involved in voter registration efforts in Arizona, and they're busily trying to register legal citizens because one of the things that we know is that nearly half of uh, regular church-going Americans do not, they're not registered and they don't vote, and so we're trying to get make uh, uh believers understand that they need to be registered, they need to vote, but these Democrats and, and these left-wing groups in Arizona are meeting buses of illegals, and they're registering illegals as they get off the bus in Arizona. And of course, that's, that is a violation of federal law. It's a violation of federal law for an, as someone who's not a citizen to register, and it's a violation of federal law for a separate violation. It's a felony for a non-citizen to vote. This bill, uh, H.R. 1, that's now S. 1 in the Senate, it would it would say that no, no one could be prosecuted for voting illegally, and you couldn't even turn in uh, illegals who are registered in voting. It would make it impossible to clean the voter rolls and to block illegals from voting. So, I mean, we have, you know, there's also a provision to make the District of Columbia a state they want to make Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia states so that that could add four more U.S. senators that they believe will be always Democrats. So, look, they're willing to pack the Supreme Court, rewrite the election laws in the most radical, the, the most radical upheaval in election administration in our nation's history. They want to add states. They, they will stop at nothing, at nothing to secure their power. 
And people need to be aware and actively voicing their opposition to this horrendous uh, change in our nation, which is what they're trying to do. Well, that's exactly right. We're talking with Cleta Mitchell. She's an attorney that's working on election uh, laws and uh, process across the country, uh, helping legislators uh, that are moving forward to actually safeguard their elections in Georgia. Uh, They move forward with reasonable voter ID laws, and yet it received a firestorm from the left, and you can only guess why. It basically shuts down fraud, folks. And, I mean, this is actually enacted in other parts of the country, and we're seeing such hypocrisy here. So we saw the boycotts called by the left when uh, Georgia legislature passed the law on voter ID and some other uh, reforms in their election laws. Delta Airlines that's headquartered there. The Major League Baseball pulled out the uh, uh, mid-summer classic, the uh, All-Star game. Coca-Cola also called uh, spoke against it. And now Republicans are finally figuring it out. It's like, well, if you corporations are going to pick sides in this political debate, then we're going to counter boycott. I got to tell you, Cleta, I've talked to a lot of our folks. They're not going to baseball games this year. They've already started. They're, I, I've got guys who have taken their uh, uh, their season tickets from the Indians and they're saying, hey, you know, that's it. You know, if you're going to do this, and, we, you know, my country's more important to me than a ball game, you know, and so we can make choices here and there's going to be really a war, a tug of war in all this, but you know, really thank the Lord for what the legislature in Georgia did. They finally got something, uh, got going and, and, and moved forward, and they're not going to cower because, you know, we either do that or we surrender. I mean, and we just can't do that. What's your thoughts on what is happening in Georgia? Well, I spent, uh, and I still spend some of every day dealing with Georgia. I spent two months there working as part of the president's legal team to bring an election challenge to the results of the November election. And I can just tell you that there is one simple fact. There are more illegal votes included in the certified number uh, of the mar- than there is the margin of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden. So there's no doubt in my mind that there should have been, uh, we, should, we never got a judge appointed to hear our uh, election contest for a month, a month, in what was supposed to be an expedited proceeding. And it was a judge wasn't appointed until two days before the electoral college were being certified by the Congress, and by then there was no way that we could actually have a trial and 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 really uh, move forward. And they threatened uh, to sue for millions of dollars in sanctions, and it was really a miscarriage of justice. And we're still trying to deal with the fallout. But I promise you, what the legislature passed in Georgia was not even the most strenuous thing it could have passed. Well, they extended. Georgia has had photo ID requirements for a number of years if you vote in person. That was litigated, and the court upheld upheld the Georgia voter ID law. All the, all the legislature did was extend that photo ID requirement to include people who vote by mail, that you have to include with your ballot application a, a copy of your driver's license or even allowed you to include uh, a copy of a bank statement with your name and address, or a copy of a utility bill with your name and address. So the fact of the matter is, uh, this is not exactly draconian. And Colorado, where they've moved the All-Star game, they've moved the All-Star game to Colorado, Colorado has photo ID requirements. That's right. (laughs) What hypocrisy. Yeah, that's right. I just want to keep saying, read the bill, boys. Read the bill. None of them have read it. If they had read it, they would know. 
that it doesn't, it's not draconian. 70% of Americans support photo ID, including 70% of African Americans. That's right. Across the board, people support photo ID for voting. They and do. Someone, point, someone pointed out that if you want to go pick up tickets for Major League Baseball games at the World Call window, what do you have to show? A photo ID. If you want to get on Delta Airlines, what do you have to show? A photo ID. So explain to me why you can't show a photo ID for voting by mail so that at least the election officials will know when an absentee ballot application comes in, it's for a real person who's registered, and they can confirm that. We had so many instances in Georgia after the election when we were pulling together that election contest we had so many people who said when they got to their polling place, they were told, oh, Mrs. Smith, we show that you've already voted. We had that happen over and over. And you know why? Because anybody, you don't have photo ID, anybody can vote in anybody else's name, even yours. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's, so, a, that's exactly right. And that happened in Pennsylvania. I have a friend, uh, my, excuse me, my son, who's uh, an Iraq war veteran, and he keeps in contact with his Army buddies. And he talked to those in Pennsylvania, and they said, you know, we all went into the polls and we're told we already voted and that we would have to vote uh, provisionally because somebody had already cast a vote in our name. Right. So this happened right. in Pennsylvania widespread, and so we're trying to get the numbers on all this. And it was uh, the president was at President Trump, that is, was at a disadvantage with his legal teams not being able to cover. You know, back in 2000, it was one state in question, basically, and one county, Dade County in Florida. Uh, That's where the battle was. This time it was spread out across the country and there was widespread voter fraud, in my opinion. And uh, I think there's a lot of documentation to back that up. And a lot of people have seen and heard the eyewitness reports, the videotapes. Uh, you know the, the all the de- evidence that's been presented, but most of the courts would not take these cases and would not hear right. the evidence. Cleta, that's where right. are we at with all that? Well, you know, I think that what where we are with all of those things is that uh, I know of various projects where people are attempting to document what happened in specific states. There's still litigation ongoing in some states. But mostly we're just trying to document, looking at the machinery. There's a, you know, auditing the the equipment, getting to the bottom of who owns the equipment and who uh, had the opportunity to either hack or manipulate the tabulating machine uh, component of the equipment. So I think there is a lot of interest and concern about documenting what happened in 2020. And I think that's so important because we can't let the false narrative of the left, and and I include this broad sweep of the left, the media, the Democrats, all the left-wing groups, um, Hollywood, the uh, academia, uh, that, that say, oh, there was nothing wrong with the 2020 election. Well, I am here to tell you, yes, there was plenty wrong with the 2020 election. I was in Georgia. I'll just give you this one fact. This is a fact. The margin of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden is 11,779 votes. That's the certified number. Now, mind you, that's the third certified number, and it changed every time. But in just one category, we identified over 30 categories of illegal votes that we could identify from government records, publicly available records. 
and experts going through the records and signing under penalty of perjury a uh, an expert report regarding uh, irregularities and illegality. And just in one area of law, Georgia law requires that you have to be registered at a residential address. You cannot vote if you are registered at an address other than your your permanent residence. And we have 18,325 votes that are cast by individuals who live in a, whose registration is at a P.O. box, at a vacant lot, or at a commercial address. And that is the fact. And that's enough right there to have required a new election, which is the remedy under Georgia law, but we never could get it in front of a court. And we had many, many more uh, examples like that. So we want to get to the bottom of it, document it, because history is entitled to know what really happened. We're talking with Cleta Mitchell. She's an attorney. She's working on election reform across the country. Cleta, you'll be working in other states as time goes on, and also with the redistricting once the census uh, numbers come out. Uh, you'll be working with state legislatures or be uh, at access to be able to help them if they have questions. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, how can they contact you? How can folks contact you or at least follow you uh, in the work that you're doing? Well, I'm not very good about social media. I got so angry about what they did, to the, what Twitter did to the president, Facebook, and all of it. So I haven't been so good about that. But I am on Twitter uh, occasionally at uh, Cleta Mitchell. And then uh, I'm also involved with uh, the, the uh, Conservative Partnership Institute, which is an organization founded by uh, Jim DeMint and Mark Meadows has now joined uh, the Conservative Partnership Institute. And I'm also working with Freedom Works on citizen engagement in election integrity. And there's going to be a website that, that Freedom Works is, go- is going to be going live next week. So check freedomworks.org next, in the next week uh, because we're uh, signing people up who want to become engaged in the whole process of uh, protecting the integrity of our elections. And I wanted to share with you that we are moving forward here in Ohio. We have a legislature uh, that is going to move forward on a uh, provision that after six months in a in a local um, election, so for instance in a county where a county prosecutor will not pursue voter fraud charges, the new language would defer after uh, three or six months to the attorney general to pursue those voter fraud charges. Some of what we've been landlocked is if there's a partisan prosecutor in an urban district where voter fraud has been known it just sits there because it's up to the home rule of the prosecutor pursuing it now this new legislation will allow for the state attorney general to pursue those charges that's going to be new here in ohio well that's great i mean one of the biggest problems that i found that i saw in 2020 is uh in addition to some of the election substantive election issues such as the one i mentioned that you you have to provide in Georgia voter ID, a photo ID to vote in person, but not if you vote uh, by mail. But also that it was so frustrating not to be able to get a judge appointed, to be able to hear our case. So the actual enforcement of the law is really important. So I'm glad that uh, Ohio is addressing that. Absolutely. Cleta, thank you so much for being my guest today. We will have you back because there's lots of work to to do. God bless you. Thank you. Again, Cleta Mitchell, and she'll be working with Freedom Works, and we're going to go to their website uh, as they're going to launch a whole new website on this election form. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Okay, and we're back, and we're going to be talking to a possible candidate for the U.S. Senate primary race that's coming up, as Senator Rob Portman has announced that he will not be running for re-election, and it leaves that seat open. And, of course, there's already three candidates who have declared on the Republican side of, of the ticket. Uh, and, of course, this is the Senate race in 2022, so it's uh, coming quickly, and uh, it's going to be very interesting here in Ohio, as, of course, there'll be national implications for the U.S. Senate race here in Ohio, as the balance of power in Washington is going to be at stake. Uh, also, if you missed our uh, interview with uh, Cleta Mitchell, you want to go to our website, hear it in its entirety. That's at ohioca.org. We're talking about election reform, and also some new provisions will be moving through the Ohio legislature to help safeguard Ohio's future elections as well. Well, to introduce my next guest, Mike Gibbons, I'd like to go to a piece that actually is out on his Facebook page, and it tells a little bit about his story. Let's listen to that. I was born right here. Cleveland. When I was a kid, we lived in the upstairs of this double house. I'm Mike Gibbons. My dad was a high school teacher and a wrestling coach, and he taught us the importance of hard work. I had a paper route, I worked a bandsaw on a factory floor, and I poured concrete. One day I came home from college only to find that my dad wasn't home. I asked my mom where he was. She said, at work. Money was tight and my dad had lost his second job and had taken on another at a car wash. That's where I found it. My hero wiping down bumpers to earn extra money to support our family. I swore at that moment that I'd do whatever it took to ensure that my family was financially secure. I worked my way up in business, eventually starting my own company. 
It employs hardworking Ohioans and invests in our community. Focusing on family, hard work, and a willingness to take risk has helped me achieve my American dream. These are some of the principles that made America great. We're facing tough times. We need to get our economy working again. We need to strengthen our families. We need to reclaim our liberty and the principle of personal responsibility. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be traveling throughout Ohio, listening to your concerns and answering your questions. I've achieved my American dream. We need men and women of principle who are willing to invest in America again to help others achieve their American dream. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I'm Mike Gibbons. I hope you'll join me in this fight. And again, uh, our guest, Mike Gibbons, a Cleveland businessman who was considering another run for U.S. Senate. He was a candidate in 2018 in the primary. He did very well as a first-time candidate, and we're going to talk to him. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, thanks, Mike, for taking some time. And, you know, I encourage people to visit your Facebook page and actually see that video because I think it really tells the story of uh, your background, what your interest is, what your passions are. And it's a short little video, but I think it's very effective. You know, Mike, um, when you ran the first time and I was pulling off some uh, some of the election data from 2018, of course, you were a first time candidate. And at that time, President Trump actually got in uh, to the race in the primary and he endorsed your opponent, uh, Jim Renacci at the time, who was a congressman, uh, he was leaving uh, Congress and he was running for the U.S. Senate, and uh, he was uh, the endorsed candidate, but you did very well as a first-time statewide, first-time candidate ever. Your thoughts on reflection of your first run? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I, I'm i good friends with Jim Renacci, and uh, I don't think it was a uh, a, a campaign he wanted to enter into. He was talked into it largely to move him out of the race against Mike DeWine. Uh, and uh, he was promised certain things, and one of those things he was promised was the support of Donald Trump. Um, the crazy thing, uh, Chris, is that I was Donald Trump's finance co-chair in 2016, gave him a significant amount of money for me, and raised a significant amount of money for him, and Spent, probably gave 30, 40 speeches across the state, particularly to suburban Republican women's groups about how, uh, you know, what they have to do is focus on what he accomplished, not so, so much on what he tweets. And uh, and yet he ended up, uh, you know, endorsing my opponent. I, I just had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to tell him that for the first time face-to-face in a in a small meeting down in in uh, at, at Trump International in uh in West Palm Beach, and it was, uh, he, he kind of didn't know what to say. <laughs> it, but it was, uh, it was an interesting campaign, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, you know, I've, I've often said this, but, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of candidates end up with, uh, with a problem uh, because they're not around their families or their, or their wife as much as they usually are because they're traveling and campaigning. And uh, just the opposite happened with with Diane and 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 me because uh, uh, she came with me on about ninety percent of my trips and and uh, it was it was like we were dating again. So it was it was a good experience personally, and I met terrific people all over the state. Uh, what I found though, Chris, is and the reason I think we won 
you know, 38 counties uh, and and only campaigned for six months is that people like to hear people they're telling the truth. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's what I specialize in and that's what I'm always going to do. And we we're in a pretty screwed up, uh, country right now. And, and we're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, reaffirm the principles, the American principles that got us where we are. It makes me crazy to hear people say that this country's evil or, or we should atone for our past sins. Um, Frankly, every country in Europe should every day, every individual lives there should get down on their hands and knees and and thank God for the fact that the United States exists. Uh, we're a force for good in the world, and anybody that says differently is uh, is is a liar. And 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 frankly, I question their motives. Well, that's right. Uh, we have a lot of enemies against this uh, our country, against our our. Um our republic, and, uh, and as the Constitution says, enemies foreign and domestic. There are people that are here that work against the greater interest and the greater good of the United States of America as we grew up and knew. And I want to say, point that out, Mike. I mean, you're really an Ohio guy. Uh, you're anything but a carpetbagger. I mean, you, this is your home. This is where you were raised, and this is where you've, uh, you have you lived. In fact, St. Ignatius High School is where you went to high school, got your bachelor's degree at Kenyon College. Uh, you graduated from Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland State University in law. And, you know, this is, uh, and of course, your, your business interests. I mean, you've, you've helped Ohioans. Uh, you've been, uh, a, you know, you actually have a great skill uh, in uh, money finance. And uh, in my opinion, God's gifted you. Uh, not everyone has the same gifts, but you have, but you've, you've been generous with your gifts, Mike. You've been a, a generous man. Uh, and again, you know, you've not been a politician. You've not run for public office. You've actually supported those who you thought had the the right uh, interest in running for public office. In fact, you, you know, your opponent previously, uh, Jim Renese, you supported him when he was in Congress. You financially supported him. So, you know, uh, lots of these guys, and in fact, the president as well. And so, uh, you've been a, and to a number of uh, uh, the, your, your old alma mater, you know, has been a benefactor of your uh, uh, financial gifts and contributions. I know you won't say that, but, you know, again, I think it, it bears reckoning of your generosity. But now you're saying, look, I'm looking at the country as it is. I'm looking for my kids, my grandkids, and I'm concerned about the future. So you haven't made a decision yet, and I know you're on kind of a fact-finding mission to get out there again and meet with people, and I think that's the way to do it, almost like a listening tour, and you're getting out there and meeting with people. And I saw another event where you're going to be at uh, next month, but uh, you're out there meeting with people right now. What are you hearing? Well, uh, I'm getting a, a pretty good response. We did the last time. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, I, my advantage is when I can actually meet people and talk to them. And, uh, and, and, and that's what I'd like to do if, you know, there's 13 months right now until the primary. And, uh, the last time the first speech I gave was, uh, the December before the May primary. Uh, I have a lot of time now. I, you know, I, the idea of going out on the speaking tour or speaking tour and, and, and actually speaking to voters in the state was to, to kind of convince myself that I wanted to run. And, uh, and that's a big decision. I, I, um, I've got five kids and five grandkids. Uh, the time I'm happiest is, is when I'm with my family and this, uh, you know, this campaign and then potentially winning the office, 
uh, would take me away from that, and, and it's a decision I have to make. I've got a couple of pretty successful businesses, and uh, and they're you know doing well. Um, I think you know I could step away from those without it impacting the uh, the employees and, and my partners, and and you know, they're happy that I that I would, if I want to do that I can. Uh, but it's a big decision. It's it is a you know it's a life changing decision. I love Cleveland. I love Ohio. Uh, the idea of going off to Washington uh, is not something that uh, that I'm excited about. And and you really stated it in a nutshell, Chris. I I'm, I'm doing this for my kids and my grandkids, and because I don't like the direction this country's going in. Uh, it's the, the, you know, the, every idea the Democrats propose is crazier than the last. Uh, and oftentimes you wonder if they're just joking. And unfortunately they're not. And, uh, you know, it's, it's reached the point where we've got to get our head on our shoulders in this country and, and, and recognize that free markets and in freedom, uh, and, uh, Small government, and 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 focusing on our families, on on uh, on hard work, and on on God, uh, is where what got this country in, in the position it's in right now. And it is the greatest country in the world. And anybody that denies that just doesn't have any sense. We're talking with Mike so, Gibbons. Yeah. We're talking with Mike Gibbons. Mike is considering a, a a run in the Senate primary for the U.S. Senate. Uh, right now, there are three declared candidates that have officially declared. Uh, Mike is still considering. Mike, uh, you know, last time you ran, it was against Sherrod Brown in, two years ago in 2018. Right. Of course, you were in the primary, but he was the opponent, Sherrod Brown. Now this seat with uh, an open seat as uh, Senator Portman is stepping down, uh, now it's... Um, you're running against the ideas of the Democratic Party because you don't know who the opponent would be if you were to win the primary and to be the party's nominee in November. But yet you're running against the ideas of the Democratic left, which is running havoc right now in Washington, whether it's the election law that we just spoke about uh, last hour, uh, H.R. 1, which is a wish list of the Democrats. So basically, in the in the words of uh, some Congress people, it would ensure Democratic rule for the next hundred years. I mean, it's so lopsided and so one sided and giving them everything that they could imagine and basically uh, polluting wouldn't have voter integrity, it would pollute the system to their advantage. Uh, You have H.R. 5, which is the Equality Act, which is a very uh, aggressive and uh, exaggerated and over-the-top type of uh, uh, civil rights uh, for LGBTQ persons that encroaches into uh, areas of uh, the faith institutions, of churches, of uh, religious societies in our public schools, and and really in the face of Americans across the board forcing the issue. Uh, you know, whether it's an issue of tolerance or not, it, it basically polices it um, with enforcement and uh, basically, it's, it's an affront to everything we believe in this country. These are just some of the radical things. And, of course, the uh, outrageous spending, the $1.9 trillion uh, uh, relief package, but basically was padded with all kinds of payouts uh, to Democratic states and to unions and to Planned Parenthood, anything but COVID relief. Uh, you're going to be running against that agenda. What, how are you setting up for that in the event that you do declare? 
Well, I can tell you there isn't much that uh, that the Democrats have done that I agree with, and uh, you know, I I am uh, I, I'm a conservative from top to bottom, and I'm not a conservative because I you know I don't like certain people of certain races or I. I uh, don't like certain people of certain religions. And I'm a conservative because conservatism works. It's always worked. I'm not a liberal because liberalism has never worked. And uh, it's it's apparent that most of the Democrats have never taken a history course. Um, but but what you know, what I intend to do is is fight my way through this primary, and uh, and I will probably face somebody like Tim Ryan. And unfortunately, Tim Ryan's going to have to own all these ridiculous bills uh, that, that, that the Democrat Party has, has put before Congress. Well, he's vo- uh, he's, he's voted for most them. he's voted for most of them, Mike. So as yes, a congressman he currently, he's my congressman in the 13th district. So he can't run from his uh, record. He's he actually has a voting record, right? He voted for him, right? And 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 Chris, I believe that this country is absolutely appalled with what's going on. Now, the reality is about half the people don't pay any attention to anything that's going on uh, as far as politics go. But, but this should start affecting them. Tax rates are going to go up. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, if, if, if they get their way, we're, it's going to affect this economy. Uh, at some point, you can only print so many dollars out of thin air, because that's what the Fed is doing right now, before it has an, an inflationary impact. I, you know, I think within the next year and a half, you're going to see an economy that right now I think is you, the, the stock market isn't necessarily a good proxy for how the market is uh, for, for how the world is viewing you know, the future of the American economy. Um, and, and it can term, turn on a dime. The stock market's at new highs, uh, but it's largely due to the fact that we're printing so much um, so many dollars, and, and, and it, it, it's never been true like this before. Uh, we aren't borrowing the money with, with government bonds as we typically have done in the past. It's the Fed just basically issuing dollars out of thin air. The, the only impact, because you know, basically inflation is caused by uh, when you have too many dollars chasing too few goods. The, the goods aren't changing, but the dollars are. Consequently, Prices are going to go up, and it, they could go up radically. Uh, I think all economists are unsure of what it's going to do to interest rates because of the way they're doing it. But I can tell you we could have a tremendous economic uh, problem here in the, in the near term. So obviously I would be able to run on that. But just the bills and the executive orders that have been, that have been passed and, and issued, uh, I, I have an awful lot of material uh, to attack the Tim Ryans of the world. And, uh, you know, I can't, as I said, I can't think of one thing they've done that I necessarily agree with. A lot of the things they've done just out of the sheer spite of, of trying to overturn what Donald Trump did. There's a lot of people that didn't like Donald Trump, but I dare to have anybody say they didn't accomplish a lot of good things. And all those good things may be for naught, if Biden continues on his way. You know, you'd mentioned inflation. Inflation is already on the rise, and people, everyday Joes, see it when they go and uh, fill the gas tank. And, of course, 
It was uh, on ABC News the other day that inflation now that all the different commodities were talking about raising rates because of transportation costs. They didn't mention that Joe Biden had shut down the XL pipeline, that he's going to be capping oil wells, that he stopped the drilling on um, national lands. Uh, We were energy independent under uh, President Trump, but now we are hedging towards being come uh, being we're putting ourselves in a disadvantage, raising oil rates and the pump prices. This is going and the trucks that are going over the roads, ladies and gentlemen, that bring the goods. They've got to pass along that cost to someone. And it's going to be you and me, brother, as it as it were. Mike, your thoughts. Well, I mean, I, I think that's a perfect example of of uh, unintended consequences. So the the reason proffered for for shutting down the Keystone pipeline is that we don't want to produce any more oil uh, because uh, it, it creates uh, excess carbon, and, and we've got to worry about global warming. Yet what Joe Biden did, now, first of all, that oil is not going to be, they're just not going to pour it, pour it down a sewer someplace. They're going, to, they're going to export it someplace else, or they're going to get it to the same place the pipeline would have taken it to refine it. It's, it's not going to take it away from, from existence. But now that oil is going to be transported by rail and trucks, and and uh, in, in 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 methods that aren't nearly as efficient as a pipeline. There, there's also the, the you know potential for you know accidents and spills and things that would not happen uh, with a new pipeline coming from Canada. The unintended consequences are he didn't do a darn thing for the carbon footprint, and uh, and, and and he's only hurt the United States. You know, I remember back in the day, Mike, you and I are old enough when the Alaska pipeline was going in, the environmentalists were saying, this is terrible, there'll be oil disaster, there'll be an environmental disaster, just the opposite <laughs> happened. There hasn't been any spills. In fact, it's actually uh, created a, an environment for wildlife around the pipeline. Uh, Rush Limbaugh was funny when he was with us, he was talking about that. Uh, polar bears actually, uh, you know, are on the increase in numbers around the pipeline in Alaska. So the no- misnomer that you know it's against the environment that's crazy it's it's just it doesn't make right. sense it's not scientific well well we've we've long since overcome uh any issues with with a major company like uh like bp in that case uh not being uh you know very responsible about environmental impact and uh and the the excuses of, of of days gone by are just that they're they're no longer uh valid and they keep kind of retreading these uh uh, these old excuses. There's there's no reason the Keystone isn't going through. It it does more for global warming if if that is what you believe is happening because it would net reduce carbon to keep the Keystone pipeline in place. They're still going to burn the the oil. It's still going to be used somewhere in the world. It's not going away, and we would be able to transport it with uh, with zero carbon. So. Again, Joe Biden uh, not necessarily accomplishing what he set out to do. You know, when we look at the southern border, and certainly a crisis is uh, going on down there. Last month alone, I think the numbers came out today uh, from uh, the uh, border security that 136,000 illegals came across the southern border in the month of March alone, the largest number since 2006. Your thoughts on the southern border crisis? Well, you know, I believe in law and order, um, and somebody coming in this country illegally is not legal. 
in, and it, it should not be allowed. We're either a country of laws or, or we, lose, we lose it all. And if we don't have borders, do we really have a nation? Um, there are about 750 people in the world that would like to move to the United States. That I remember a Pew poll that was taking, taken a number of years ago. And even though we're this horrible country filled with systemic racism, we still have sev- almost a billion people want to want to end up in this country. Wow, you know, that squares with the with the, the Democrat uh, theory on how terrible this country is. But but I can tell you, um, <clears throat> the idea of lo- allowing unlimited people in this country only hurts the people in, in the lower in the lower wage categories, and it. Every, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure if this is true. It was reported on Fox News, so there's probably a better chance than it was on CNN or uh, MSNBC. But apparently it costs us $650 a day uh, for each one of these uh, oh my. immigrants. Yeah, that's now, right. We are, we are committed morally to provide asylum to somebody that's in, in danger. But we are not committed to take every person that wants to come to the country so they can get a better life. Unfortunately, I wish we could. We can't. That's right. You know, and 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 you know, you had Jeb Bush in in, in the 2016 election saying, "Well, it's an act of love when they when they break into the country and come across oh. illegally." <laughs> well, well, let's take the, let's take that to the logical extreme. Well, you know, I I have when to laugh, Mike, because my my grandparents, okay, Irish immigrants, okay, and Italian, and my grandfather, an Italian, they came in through. The, the channels in New York, and they went through great scrutiny to get into this country, and they came in illegally, right. legally. Right. And, you know, and I just think Probably it's wrong to, to hear this other and to, and to give it such grandiose terms. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, he's saying, you know, they're, they're, they love their families, they want to bet. And, and I grant you, I, I understand how they feel. But the problem is this. If somebody cheats on their taxes, they're doing it so their family has more money, too. Is that an act of love, and should that be forgiven, too? No. No, it's a breakdown. It's a slippery slope. That's right. And 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 uh, the breakdown of law and order, uh, ultimately, our freedoms are destroyed. Well, and and, and the faith and trust of the United States, when they said to our elderly of Social Security benefits and Medicaid, when they're giving it to illegals by the hundreds of thousands that are now trafficking across our southern border, they're taking away your Social Security. If you're listening to this program, you believed lies during the election that uh, President Trump or the Republicans would take away your Social Security. Look, my wife and I are going to get Social Security in a few years. My point is... That's not true. The truth is the people coming illegally across the border who never paid into it, they're the ones who are going to be taking away uh, and re- putting at risk your entitlement programs that the federal government has pro- promised us. Mike, uh, we're coming out of time here. Just uh, some final thoughts. Uh, how can people follow you? And again, you're considering a run for Senate. We want to be the first to know. But how can people follow you? Facebook is one way. Mike Gibbons on Facebook. How else? Right. Well, we haven't officially announced yet, so a lot of these things aren't in place. So I'm going to have to get back to you, Chris. But uh, um, I think if you uh, if you just Google uh, Mike Gibbons for Senate, it'll direct you to whatever we have in place. Uh, we're we're going to come to a conclusion here in the next week or two, and uh, and and you know your your listeners should be hearing one way or the other if they're interested in in. in uh, in, in continuing this conversation. Absolutely. I'd love to have anybody that's listening come out and, and uh, let me speak uh, about what I, I believe. Yep. Well, we run out of time, Mike. We're going to have you back. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for listening. 
and we'll have you back. Thank you. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.